0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. It's December and winter is on its way. With winter comes ice fishing. I also host an ice fishing podcast mostly focused on the upper Midwest, but I recently had Captain Ross Robertson on the show. Robertson is an all-season guide on Lake Erie, and while the ice fishing season is a short one on the big lake, it's a season Robertson cherishes. Here's my conversation with Robertson from the Fish House Nation podcast. Ross, most of our audience live in the Upper Midwest. They know about walleye fishing on Lake Erie, but many of them don't know about ice fishing Lake Erie. Tell us a little bit about where you're fishing and
1: what the season is like. Well, where you guys are at, it's a whole different deal. You know, we ain't driving trucks out here. Maybe when I was like negative 10 or something, you know, we uh, way before my my time, people drove trucks out here, but we just don't get that. Probably, I would say seven or eight years, we're not going to have ice, generally speaking. Um, so I've kind of switched that around. Fortunately, a few paths have crossed in, in the right direction. And, and I run my ice stuff off of, the Bass Islands, which is kind of a big deal because we get ice there, I would say probably eight out of 10 years we're going to have ice there. Well, you know, we have big winds and we're just, you know, we're quite a bit farther south than a lot of you guys there, especially my Minnesota buddies and Dakota buddies. So we just don't get safe ice on a regular basis uh, on the open portion. And when you have a body of water like Lake Erie and you've got freighters running and things like that, even the, the portions of the lake that get ice really get beat up and there's a lot of places for it to go, meaning where the open water is, when we do get ice, the wind can blow it out into the open water. So it's not locked in, if that makes sense.
0: I've heard stories about guys on Saginaw Bay who go out and they come home and they, they can't get home.
1: You you become like a sailboat, basically. So yeah, a lot of there's a lot of notorious people that you know get rescued. Not that you can't get yourself in a in a situation, but a lot of people just really don't put their noggin. Uh, for good use there. And I've kind of put the odds in my favor. i would use it, do it really a lot different. We spent a lot of time and money to, to make this work, but we're fishing off over the islands there, the Bass Islands. And I've got an operation set up there with some of my friends from back in, in school days where we've got some private lodging and we've got, we're basically fishing off these islands where we're already where the fish are at. So we don't have to drive 10, 12 miles, which on the ice in our neck of the woods, you may have to drive 20 to go 12. So we're we're right there and that that ice is locked in amongst the islands. So it's a much safer deal and it's much more consistent for even just getting ice. Sure,
0: when when do you typically get that ice? What is the ice season like down in your neck of the woods? And I guess for for, uh, a lot of folks, like where is your neck of the woods as far as where are you located
1: on Lake Erie? The Bass Islands, which are basically the closest city would be Port Clinton, Ohio. Um, But you know, the famed kind of Lake Erie Bass Islands there. Um, the, the stretch out. It's really, it's just a very unique situation. I had dinner tonight with my guys we we're fishing with today. We're, we're talking about, you know, when do you get it? And there's not a good answer. I can tell you, I've been there when the Super Bowl was going on and I've done it around St. Patrick's Day. But generally speaking, I would probably say the safest time as far as if we had to put it on a calendar, you know, do a TV shoot or something, it would be middle of January to the middle of February. Um, but I think we all know whether it's a good way or a bad way we've had some really wacky winters they either start early or or start late and um you really can't put your finger on it too too close over here
0: walleyes are the big draw on lake erie during open water what is the walleye bite like over the winter time
1: it can it can be varied in the fact that you know the caliber of fish Um, i would tell you probably if i mean I probably have caught some of my biggest wallows of all time through the ice because it's basically like our pre-spawn bite right um and they tend to be towards our late ice kind of dumb uh unlike you know in your neck of the woods our early ice is actually sometimes a little bit more difficult bite and i think it's just because those fish are just staging differently you know in minnesota where i can remember back in the day going up through the bays and we're throwing sheets of plywood down you know the start the season or end the season to get off you know that, that shoreline ice it's kind of the different for us as middle of the winter is actually the best. And I think that has a lot to do with oxygen levels and things like that. But um, if you can get out on the ice and we have safe fish wise, we're usually catching them pretty good. It just matter how many times you got to move.
0: You kind of alluded to it there where the fish are kind of starting to get into pre-spawn when things get good, but how do you go about finding fish on Lake Erie during ice season? It's a big piece of water. I know you're, a, you really love to troll uh, during open water, but, You know, obviously with ice fishing, trolling uh, is a little bit different type of game. So tell me about how you go about uh, finding these fish and locating them uh, during ice season on Lake Erie. You
1: know, I kind of relate it to some guys when we have these conversations because there's not necessarily a great answer, but I kind of relate to hunting because I think a lot of fishing and hunting references are the same that helps guys a little bit, where if you're hunting sometimes you you realize like hey you choose this area that you think's going to be good and you put yourself in the best situation and it's kind of like that because you can only move around so much i don't care you what you you know you see all these things guys talk about ice trolling and being mobile and this and that but when you've got a body of water and you have literally hundreds of square miles um you can do all the whole hopping you want you'd run out of <laughs> there's not enough time in the day to drill the holes right so a lot of the stuff i do is is experience obviously. I mean going back on things a little bit but fishing the conditions but things like the mapping like I run lake master mapping and the contours on those things a lot of those fish really are on those very subtle contours and before you know it seems like I, I tell guys all the time they think you're getting some commercial but a lot of my wave points from 20 years ago back when I first had GPS and we came off Loran Sea when I put those on that lake master and overlaid it i realized like oh my god so many of these spots related to these 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 soft contours or these soft subtle changes um, sometimes it's just going from a you know a compact bottom to a slightly not compact you know bottom um, and sometimes it's just a slight subtle depth change and it makes a world of difference and relating to those things and then also just moving around because fish just move that's what they do out here
0: what does a setup look like for somebody's going to go out and, and try to Fishies walleye through the ice on Lake Erie.
1: The big thing on Erie is I always joke with my buddies I work with Clam. I'm on the ice team, and I always joke with them when we get these rods and these prototypes out, and um, I call them the Minnesota Medium, which is uh, Lake Erie ultralight. So I've actually got uh, my own series of rods with Connor Clam, the uh, the Great Lakes Model um, Ice Team Pro Rod, uh, professional series, and it's just a bigger stick. It's it's got it's um, I would say it's still a fast action, but it's a little more moderate compared to some of those like lake trout type, you know, jigging rods you see with some of these guys, because you need to be able to have feel because those walleyes are so, they take that bait sometimes so subtly, but we're using a lot bigger lures. For example, you know, you may be using like a rattling spoon back in your neck of the woods that's an eighth or maybe a quarter, and it's not uncommon for us to have a half or three quarters, and then we're throwing a couple minnows on it, so that thing may be, you know, in excess of one ounce. And a lot of rods that say they're a walleye rod or a medium heavy walleye rod or medium just aren't enough. So you need a little extra oomph in there.
0: You got that that kind of, of hardware on the end of your rod. How, how deep are you going down? Where are you typically targeting these fish?
1: Most of that stuff is done, I would say, in 28 to 34 feet of water. And occasionally we're a little bit shallower than that. I probably have spent very very little time or at least very little successful time in less than 25 feet of water. Most of that stuff for those fish are staging on those deeper flats and you're like I said you're you're pushing or if not in excess of 30 feet of water. So big rods, big lures, how about the line? Line, I mainly use monofilament. Believe it or not, I do some stuff. I run some braid on a couple different really specific applications. But when you get those good sized fish up there, you know, braid and things, it, it there are certain things that it, it really helps with. But I really like the shock absorber amount of filament. And when you're doing other things it also does, doesn't does translate as quick on, on the rod, meaning some of the things that we're doing we're trying to be a little more finessey, you don't get that drastic pop to it. I don't know, probably not describing this well, but um, I use monofilament a lot and most guys don't, but I do.
0: How about the fish? How do they react? I mean, when you're watching them on electronics, is it kind of a, they come in and smoke them Is it is it one of these finesse type of games or you're playing a fish a lot? What is that bite like?
1: Well, you know, fish are like some ex-girlfriends. They're a little moody. You know what I mean? So you can have one come in and just smash that thing. And then 15 minutes later, you're just working them around and, and they just don't want to seem to bite anything. And I think that, The thing is, is is having really good electronics is huge. Like I'm using a hummingbird flasher and I've kind of switched over from the traditional flasher, generally speaking, and I'm using like the Helix LCD because they're super fast. But I like having the the chart speed on there so I can use the traditional flasher wheel, but then also the 2D because I can see a little bit of the history there because it's amazing at how many times you can actually see, you know, the picture of what happened and that fish that came by. Now you see him coming back where in the flasher, you know, it's kind of here and there, you know, it's, it's gone. It's over with, because those fish just change it up so much. And the big thing that I can't get guys to do is to work them up enough. Meaning generally speaking, those fish are within three feet of the bottom when they're coming in or when they come into view, and you always want to keep working them up, up, and up. And I can tell you many stories where I've caught fish five, six feet below the hole um, that I brought off bottom in 30 some feet of water. And while that's kind of a drastic deal and probably a slight exception, it's not uncommon to work a fish actively, you know, kind of changing your cadence up, doing different things, and get that fish to commit five, 10, 15 feet off bottom.
0: That sounds like a good cat and mouse type of game. What is the Lake Erie walleye population like right now? Um, where are they at as far as fish numbers? And, and, and what, what do people, what can they expect uh, to go down there? I know obviously you can't say, oh, we guarantee you're gonna limit out. But I mean, what is that Lake Erie walleye population
1: look like right now compared to maybe what it was like 10 or 20 years ago? I definitely don't like to ever put expectations on things and say you're gonna limit out, but honestly, you're probably gonna get a limit when you're coming with us. Um, it's, it's harder to catch a double digit fish now. You know, we've got, I don't, don't quote me on numbers because I mean, even the different state agencies, you look at different things, you see different things and none of us have, you know, drained the pool to, to count them up, right? But we've got easily over hundred million fish and a lot of fish between three and five pounds. So I don't think we have nearly the population of those eight, nine, 10 pounders that we used to, or even bigger, you know, that guys think of with Lake Erie fish but we have so many fish, literally over a hundred million between like three and five pounds. It makes for some really, really, you know, fun action and just the ability to catch a lot more fish.
0: We've been talking a lot about walleyes, Ross. How about other species in your neck of the woods? What other types of fish are you targeting?
1: You know, walleyes is kind of what I do. And when, when guys know me, um, that's kind of what I do. And it, it's hard to kind of stay on one thing, you know, it's like, I say, it's like a, a guy that, you know, drives NASCAR and then he's trying to, you know, race planes or something. It's still racing, but it's a totally different deal. I mean, we've got a, a really healthy smallmouth population, you know, not really an ice fishing thing. Our perch population has been really up or down. It's like we have a killer year and then it just seems to evaporate, even like the commercial netters, you know, are, are having a are struggling with them. But I think when you think of Lake Erie, you think of walleyes and, and that's generally speaking what everybody's targeting or wanting to for me. A lot of folks in our neck of the woods
0: are used to maybe making a trip up to Lake Winnipeg or maybe on the, the other side of Lake of the Woods for a big trip, but with COVID this year, the Canadian border is going to be a no-go. So if someone's kind of looking to do something out of the ordinary, and instead of going to Winnipeg, maybe you take the trip down to see you on Lake Erie, what is that experience going to be like compared to a trip to going to Lake Winnipeg?
1: Give us a, paint us a picture on, on what that might be like. Yeah, it's it's a totally different situation. I've had a lot of guys that have done a lot of fishing. And again, part of it's just the the eerie deal. And then part of it is just because of the kind of unique performance and situation that I can give these guys. Um, Like I said, I've got a few of the right friends through the years that happen to own a lot of stuff on some islands. So we have the guys come across there. It's a pretty economical deal, um, probably a lot less expensive than even going to Winnipeg, let alone the travel time. And we're fishing off of an island with a lot less traffic you know we don't have to get up at three in the morning we're not fighting the crowds and I, I mean it's just the fishing is really consistent not that you don't have days you know how that goes with, with ice stuff and, and temperamental fish but generally speaking our fish kind of get dumb at some point in the day if not throughout the day and I don't know too many guys that are you know at a small bar eating there that's basically only open a few days a week and there's 10 people and it's kind of like cheers you know we're on the island with just local people and a lot of guys you know i went to school with and run around with but yet we have a quarter mile drive to some of the best walleye fishing from where the guys are staying which is really unique that
0: sounds awesome ross there something that i didn't
1: ask you that you wanted to talk about tonight well, you know, in a big place out there, and, and comfort comes into, into play, right? We like to be comfortable, but I think the biggest thing is safety. So I use Argos. We've got the tank treads. They're, they're enclosed. And while we certainly don't want to break through or have anything like that happen, if it does, they float. And they're just a lot more comfortable because, you know, when you're on snowmobiles or four-wheelers, you're exposed in the elements. And while we don't have to go very far when we're fishing off the island, it's that peace of mind is just, it's huge for me. And I think it is for the guys that fish with me too. All
0: right, thanks, Ross. If people want to know about more about you or how to book a trip with you, how do they find you?
1: I'm pretty easy to find. Big water fishing, rather on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever it is, or bigwaterfishing.com. Um, get a hold of me. We can give you some different options and things. And I think we're going to have a good year. The, the word is a hard winner, and it's kind of started that way for a lot of people. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and doing
0: it. Yeah, we're already starting to see some ice around our neck of the woods already. Um, I know it's supposed to warm up here next week. That's all going to go bye-bye. But uh, it's got people fired up and ready for ice fishing, and it sounds like you are also in that mood. So uh, hope you have a great ice season. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, take care. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.